This episode is brought to you by Margie Lamb, health coach and founder of Healthy and Hustlin'. Are you fed up with the dieting and the seemingly contradictory health advice out there? Do you want to feel great in your body and accomplish your goals in a way that's empowering and not overwhelming? For me, the answer was an easy yes. Five years ago, I was pushing 200 pounds. I worked out twice a day and counted my calories. I didn't really see a movement on the scale nor my body type. So I decided to check my ego and call up a health coach. Margie, as a certified integrative nutrition health coach, works with each client as a guide and mentor to build a healthy, sustainable lifestyle that will help you reach your health goals. She offers free one-hour initial consultations. To learn more, visit her website, www.healthyandhustlin.com. That's www.healthyandhustlin, spelled H-U-S-T-L-I-N, dot com. When you hear about or see military officers, people who have served are currently serving, there's a unwritten rule about respect and morals, high ethics, high work rate. Have you ever wondered about their own personal backstory? What got them to where they are today? What's their mindset like? My name is Wong Lam, your host of Defining Moments Podcast. My name is Margie Lam, the editor and producer of Defining Moments Podcast. In today's episode, you're going to hear more from the Major General of the Oklahoma National Guard, General Thompson. In this episode, we talked to General Thompson about what led him to becoming the general of the Oklahoma National Guard. And it's a pretty cool story. It's something that you wouldn't expect and you definitely don't want to miss. As I was gearing up, setting up the equipment, I could literally feel my hands shaking and my heart just beating super fast. It's because it's one of the biggest honors and privileges I've ever had in my life to sit literally four feet away from General Thompson. The cool thing about it is he's he's a human being just like you, just like me, just like everyone else. And the story that he tells, or the stories that he tells, are amazing, unique, genuine, authentic, and raw. General Thompson, thank you so much for your service to our great country, to our city, to our state, to the United States of America. We appreciate you and we're rooting you on, sir. Thank you so much for tuning in to Defining Moments Podcast. Get on social media, find us on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. On Twitter at Def Moments Pod. That's at D E F Moments Pod. We're on all sorts of podcasting platforms from Google to iTunes to iHeartRadio to Spotify. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it, subscribe to it. We're also on YouTube, so you can see the video edition. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it, subscribe to it if you believe in it. And no matter what, show some appreciation today, every day, because someone is always rooting you on. Welcome back to Defining Moments Podcast. My name is Wong Lam and today's amazing guest, I've got to get through this uh, intro. We have the Adjutant General of Oklahoma, Major General Thompson. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thanks, I really appreciate being here. Absolutely. It's actually, 
an honor and a privilege. We always talk about honor and privilege, have just having guests on the show. And this one is almost, it's the next level of guests. It's, we're so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Here's a little note that my wife and I okay. have. Don't read it out loud. That's just for you personally. Okay. <laughs> and we also have some gifts for you. Here's our first gift for you. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I always, I'm a big coffee drinker, so I love that. Wow. Personalized as well. Yes. Thank very you. Personalized. Really appreciate yeah. It. Our friend uh, Joni, she used to make mugs, and we did a podcast with her, and so we used uh, her services. And unfortunately, she, had, well, fortunately for her, she moved on to something else, but now you got one of the last mugs. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad to have it. Absolutely. We also have a few more things for you, sir. Okay. First line is a shirt. Thank you very much. And our hats. Outstanding. I've been noticing your uh, merchandise and on Twitter a little bit. I would have been disappointed if I didn't get a hat. <laughs> a little pressure on Marky on the way over, so it's all good. Yes, sir. Thank you. And this is for, this is from our friends at Nita, not it's for Melissa. Okay. Tell her thank you for putting uh, all these emails, getting, this is coordinated to meet with you and the times and all that. We appreciate her as well. So absolutely, so very nice of you. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. we heard she's a coffee drinker too. So she's a, she drinks more coffee than I do. Okay, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for your services to our great country as well. And we you know, it's been my life. Uh, so uh, about we're in such a different era than you know back when our service members were coming back from Vietnam and people shunned them. So uh, both like it. Major Legler and I have gotten used to people for thanking us, but thank you mm -hmm. for, for mentioning it or for, for noticing. Yeah, you you talked about uh, the Vietnam area. That's where, where my parents actually right. came off of a boat from right. uh, from Vietnam, like a literal cargo ship, and landed at a refugee camp in Arkansas, and then Fort Jaffe, Arkansas. Fort Jaffe, Arkansas. That's right. exactly right. And so, and we are always very appreciative of the military law enforcement. So right. Yeah. How are you, you think about your modest beginnings and uh, your parents' modest beginnings in Fort Chappie, Arkansas, and now here you are living the American dream. I mean, you're living your best life, so uh, <laughs> our world may, be, may may not be perfect, Yeah. Uh, but it's a pretty good country that we live in, so right. I'm glad we have a strong military to go out and defend our values in the way that we, what we hold dear. Absolutely. You you talk about the, our country, and I actually tweeted, that, I think Monday, yesterday morning, I, I tweeted just... Be a great representative or a great example of right. an American dream. Yep, I yeah. love that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, how are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, we've uh, had a productive day already, and uh, I know you gave me a lot of material to prepare for this. I'm unprepared, so everything you get today is going to be totally <laughs> off the cuff. So, yeah, I appreciate you and your wife coming and let me be a, being a part of this. And more important than me, uh, uh, more visibility put up on the National Guard. Yeah. So, we're trying to, we're a big part of our communities mm -hmm. and any opportunity I get to brag about that is a good thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. Your wife doing well? Doing great. Yeah. You know, we actually, since I've seen you last, uh, we enjoyed our 36th wedding anniversary. Congratulations uh, on that. A couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. Yeah, time goes fast. Yeah. And you have two sons that are in the military as well? Uh, my, uh, both of my sons were. My okay. uh, oldest son's a West Point grad. Wow. Class of uh, 2008. Uh, so he's about 12 years in. Mm -hmm. uh, his wife is uh, in as well. She's a major from ROT from Purdue. Just got back from Afghanistan wow. on a Halloween. And then my youngest son did a deployment in Iraq and a uh -huh. deployment in 
Afghanistan as a helicopter pilot before he got out a few years ago. He's finishing up medical school with uh, OSU Tulsa. Oh man, that is awesome. Which uh, type of med medicine? Which? Well, if you, if you find out, let me know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just like finished kid. Okay. But honestly, uh, he's had a lot of uh, different interests. But mm -hmm. here, right now, I really believe he's going to concentrate on emergency room management. Oh, he really likes the, you know, the freshness and the uniqueness of every day being different. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's single, just him and his dog, so yeah. he's going to travel around the country and do contract emergency room uh, medicine, if I understand oh, man. It correctly. So you guys are proud parents? I'm very proud of both yeah. of our boys. They're uh, they absolutely take after their mom. She's a smart one in the, in the family, so yeah, I'm very proud of them. Yeah. When I think of the military, I always think of just men and women sacrificing their lives for freedom and, and defending. What were what maybe a, one or two misconceptions of just military? Well, I'll tell you a good one. This is a great question, by the way, Juan. Uh, like my uh, oldest son is, I uh, told you, he's in an army. He's a major. His wife's a major. And uh, all his friends, they think he puts this on every day and puts all his camouflage makeup on the thing and goes and put a helmet on and goes out and lives in the woods every day. Yeah. And that's really not the case. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly uh, there are times when we put all that on and we go out to the woods, we do field exercises and practice our craft in the woods. Mm -hmm. It's important to keep a sharp edge to that. But the rest of the time, he's working in an office. You know, he's got pictures of me and his daughter and, yeah. you know, uh, stuff from his uh, travels on the wall, and pictures of his wife. It's watched the same way. So people have the conception or the misconception that if you're in the army, you're going to go out and put on a helmet and crawl around in the dirt and, yeah. you know, eat over a campfire every day. And that's just not true. We do that, yeah. uh, but it's not every day. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering because that would be a conception that I see, all right, is a, a man or, or a woman in uniform and they're out there crawling dirt. Yeah. MRE time, and it's time to eat to get those MREs. Right. Yeah, so. <laughs> right. It's, uh, in my, my son, you know, he, um, and I don't want to sound immodest or anything, but, you know, to get into West Point is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And for him to be accepted into there, he's a really smart kid in high school that did well. So it's kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a front that his friends would think. Well, you're just going to go and crawl around in the woods and all that because uh, you don't have any options. And the truth is, particularly with Brandon and Jared, um, my first deployment was in 2003. I was actually in, in Kuwait when the war started, March the 19th, 2003. Wow. And then, you know, the Oklahoma Guard went up. Uh, the first wave that went into Iraq on March the 20th, 2003. I think if you take the history books, Oklahoma Guard might have been the first ones into Iraq and uh, mm -hmm. in that first stage of the war. But then also in 2003, my oldest son, Brandon, was graduating from high school. So I missed that. I'm in Iraq. Um, and Brandon, my oldest, was a really good football player. Really smart kid. So Stanford, a lot of good places were recruiting him. Um, but I really believe that my, particularly with Brandon, because he didn't have a lot of interest in the military, uh, he kind of got caught up in this wave of emotion that was going on across our country at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, instead of him going and being a typical college student, 
at Stanford or somewhere else, he went to West Point for a visit and he committed to West Point uh, on that visit. And then now he's leaving, living the life that he's living now, you yeah. know. And, and then my other son uh, joined the uh, National Guard while he was still in high school. And uh, over the top proud <laughs> of him because he followed me into the Guard. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he and I went to Iraq together in 2008. Wow. And I, and we're yeah. all there in 2008. So it's, uh, it's absolutely something that runs in the family. But any kid, really, that's joined the military after, you know, September 11, 2001, mm. unlike me, who joined 100 years ago, I had no reasonable expectations that I was going to be sent to a combat zone because yeah. I joined in 1983 in the Vietnam War, been over for 10 years, and it's just like, I knew I wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself, uh, but joining with the idea that before this year is over or next year you got to be in a combat zone, that thought wasn't there. But the kids that are joining today, they absolutely have the thought in the back of their head. They're not only joining, they're joining every day. Yeah. And for all this stuff that we talk about, generations and all that, we just have to give this generation an opportunity. Yeah. And they have the potential to go out and do great things on our behalf. Yeah. We just got to give them an opportunity. I agree. You talk about West Point. One of my favorite books I read uh, was by Angela Duckworth. It's called Grit. Okay. And she writes about West Point and how very structured and regimented it is from five o'clock in the morning to I think around eight o'clock at night. And it's in the whole sense of wash, rinse, and repeat. Absolutely. That's what it was like. Absolutely. Yeah. So, or I, I'm sure it's still like that. But when I read the book, it's like, man. Yeah. yeah that's probably my favorite chapter of the whole entire book. And it's about. 15 pages that she wrote that that was I really I guess I feel like I resonate with that because I'm very structured right in in things and just the respect I felt you could just I just got chilled reading that it's uh I'm, I'm glad you read that book and I might go and check it out myself yeah I love stuff like that uh it is very regimented yeah um, and so these kids who joined the military I talked about the military but these people and kids that are going in the service academies like West Point uh uh, Annapolis Naval Academy in Annapolis, uh, the uh, Air Force Academy and the Merchant Marines and all that. Um, they really are sacrificing a lot of college life, yeah. you know, and there are things you do in college and you socialize and all that stuff that they're really not a part of the culture at a military institution because from the day that you raise your hand and get join that rank mm -hmm. and step into that culture, there are certain expectations about the way that you will carry yourself. Yeah. Certainly everybody that joins isn't perfect and everyone doesn't make it. But for the ones that are there, that understand what they're getting themselves into, right. um, there's a certain expectation that goes with the privilege of being in one of those service academies. Oh yeah, absolutely. And earlier you mentioned Major Legler, so I want to say thank you for your services to our great country as well. He's in the room and it's just one of the first men I met and just very nice from the beginning and it's like this power, this energy. And then when I walk in, and how tall are you, General? About six eight when I woke up this morning. Six eight, yeah. I'm only five nine, and I <laughs> sent a picture out on Twitter like, just everyone do the visual math. Right. You get a good picture of, of the general. So we need to do that again, but maybe we'll just drag your wife in and we'll take another picture. Oh, we we love it. Are you in? Yeah. Yeah. She's in. She's in the room too. So this is this is awesome. The podcast is it's all about you, General. Okay. And one of my questions.
questions I'd like to ask right off the bat is, how do you define leadership? And then also, how does it feel? You know, uh, leadership is very, very critically important to me. And, you know, I've, I've risen to where I'm at now after, uh, you know, three plus decades. It's taken me, it's not an overnight thing. And, you know, we didn't talk about it, but I spent 28 years with El Pong Highway Patrol right. and kind of went through the ranks there. And leadership is very important from the sense that, um, you talk about some of the books that you read and, you know, the conferences you go to or the things that you see. And at the end of the day, it's all about what you do versus what you say. Mm -hmm. You can say all the right things. You can draw all the right PowerPoints out there. You can have all the right, you know, branding and the uh, merchandise or the bumper sticker. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. But uh, life is more important about what you do uh, than what you say and what you do. Is treat people the way that you want to be treated. And if you aren't willing to do that, uh, you really can't reasonably expect people to follow you as a leader. Right. Uh, I know that's overly simplistic, uh, but that's the um, that's the style of leadership that I've chosen from the first day. I don't consider myself any better than any uh, service member that I lead or any state employee that I lead, mm -hmm. because I will spend as much time. If you see me walk through the building, I th it's a point of pride to me to spend as much time to talk to the person that's cleaning them up on the floor as the person that's running the uh, entire organization. It's because that person is a maintenance worker. Um, they have dreams and aspirations and goals just like I do. Mm -hmm. You know, they just don't have this visible platform that I have. So uh, what you do is more important than what you say. You know, what you do is treat people the way that you want to be treated. Yeah. I love that. And you're the second person, and I, I listen to podcasts, and like you talk about, I, I read a lot, and I've seen presentations, but you're the only other person that I've ever heard talk about leadership like that, and I definitely appreciate it, because the first one was a Formula One driver, I listened to F1 podcast, and I love Formula One racing, and the driver talked about how important it is to acknowledge from the janitor. Everyone. All the way up. To, it doesn't matter, right? You, That's exactly you, right. You're in the hallway. It's, hey, how are you doing? Right. Or at least a hello. Right. So I love that. Right. And I, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to make that overly glamorous or anything about myself, but I've, you know, when I uh, grew up, I was a janitor. Yeah. You know, and I remember growing up in Purcell, Oklahoma, and working at a multi-purpose center. And I remember, you know, literally uh, mopping the floor and they're having like this big high school reunion there. And people are walking through my mop floor as if I didn't even exist, yeah. you know? It's just yeah. like, ugh, spent a lot of time working on this, mm -hmm. you know? And it's just like, I always thought, if I ever find myself in a position like that, I'm not going to treat people like that any differently. And that tells you a lot about people as well. Like if you and I walk through this building together and someone's holding the door for you, you don't even acknowledge him as a person, uh, you and I probably aren't going to have a really good conversation. Uh, how you treat people yeah. matters. And right. if not how you treat people that can do something for you, yeah. it's how you treat people in general. Yeah. And I have always, uh, my mom, uh, you know, come and talk about humble beginnings. I'm talking about the 
modest beginnings of your parents, you know, being in Port Chap, being yeah. in who you are now with your beautiful wife. Yeah. It's an exciting life that you guys are leading. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mother worked in a uh, nursing home when I was growing up. My mother was a housekeeper uh, when I was growing up. You know, my dad was not in the pictures. My dad was just a rolling stone. So um, when I talk about, you know, treating people the right way or taking advantage of opportunities that we, we have in this country, you know, as Americans that some of us take for granted, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's more than just a talking point for me. It's deep and personal. Yeah. And it would bother me to no ends if someone had treated my mom in a, in a manner that, you know, didn't respect her as a person. It doesn't matter if she had a job like you did or a career. She's incredibly bright, uh, intelligent. You talk about you reading books, she just devoured books. Yeah. I mean, to the day that she died, she was in the middle of a book. Wow. <laughs> and wow. that's probably where I got my love of book from, was from my mom. Uh, but I just want to make sure that everyone's treated the way we want to be treated. Yeah, I, I'm 110% behind that, for sure. And you talk about books. If you were to look at your life now, maybe what chapter from a certain book that you like or you've read best represents your life? You know, I can't think of the title of it, um, but I'm a big fan of uh, Colin Powell. Okay. Yeah. You know, he's Jamaican immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just a city kid and uh, did okay in the military in ROTC, I think, City College, New York. And then all of a sudden, he got out and got, got received his commission and he went on to the incredible thing for our country. Yeah. You know, and it's just to hear him talk about perseverance and and trying, even when the door shuts in face, it's not accepted that as a final answer. And uh, keep going. Uh, mm-hmm. That's always meant a lot to me. You know, and I think about uh, John Lewis, you know, they just did the 55th anniversary of uh, Bloody Sunday in Salem, Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, this past weekend. And yep. here's a guy that's uh, battling uh, stage four cancer. And he's out there encouraging people, you know, yeah. and about a year ago, I was at our nation's capital and one of my traveling partners knew someone that worked in his office and I said, hey, I'd really like to meet him. And I thought it would just be a moment where I went in and took a picture with them and just that Twitter moment and now, yeah. he sat down with us for 30 minutes. Wow. And went completely around his office and talked about that day and talked about how scared he was, how terrified he was. Uh, to walk across that bridge in Salem, Alabama. You know, they were going to Montgomery, Alabama to talk about civil rights and getting beaten to the point to where, you know, that most people would say, yeah, we're good, we'll go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then they came back stronger. Yeah. And then they made it. And I think about the sacrifices people like that made for people like me to have an opportunity to sit across this table from you. So yeah. it means a lot. Yeah, uh, it, it does. In your mindset, I feel... You're very focused on just the subject matter at hand and, and the task. And I feel like you're probably proactively thinking three or four steps ahead. So what was the transition like for you from the Oklahoma Highway Patrol to the National Guard? Uh, well, fortunately for me, there, there really wasn't much of a transition. Uh, that's, I think, the beauty of uh, the National Guard, not just Oklahoma, but 54, 50 states, three territories in the District of Columbia. 
is that uh, for a traditional soldier that has a job, whether he's a police officer or a school teacher or a banker or a farmer or you name it, yeah. I still have to be sharp on this side of the house as well. So as I progressed through the highway patrol, I was still progressing through the National Guard at the same time. Okay. So to completely leap from the highway patrol to here as a National Guard, it really wasn't much of a leap mm -hmm. because I was, if it was a leap, it was just a little puddle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I'd already lived so, spent so much time in both worlds, you know, just coming over here and getting used to doing things a little bit differently. Yeah. I will say um, that the full-time force of the Oklahoma National Guard or any National Guard, uh, those guys are uh, absolutely worth their weight in gold. The mm -hmm. things that they do uh, in between the week uh, before a traditional guy like me that would come on the weekend and expect to you know, be successful. Yeah. There's a ton of work that takes place from the time drill ends, you know, mm -hmm. on a Sunday night until it begins again on a Saturday morning. And yeah. those guys are the ones that maintain the continuity and keep the Army in shape and have us ready to walk in and be successful. Yeah, that's awesome. What was the feeling like for you 2017 when the governor appointed you to Adjutant General? It was, uh, it, it, was and is very humbling um, because, uh, you know, I was the commissioner of the Department of Public Safety in November of 2000, January 11, 2001 until November of 2017. So I've kind of gotten used a little bit to that role, mm -hmm. you know, that level of leadership. Uh, but to get promoted to two-star and to come over here as the adjutant general, as a matter of fact, I did a tweet. <laughs> Uh, the first day that I pulled into my parking place, you know, and it's like um, 40 adjutant general, yeah. two stars. And for me to be that person to, to park in that place and have a responsibility for this organization, it's heavy. It still <laughs> is. Uh, because I know there's been so much tradition, so many sacrifices and so much hardship that our our army, our soldiers, and our airmen, our civilian employees have endured here. Mm -hmm. That uh, I just want to come in and make the right, do the right thing, and make good decisions because I know the decisions that I make here today, even this afternoon, uh, they'll still be living with decisions I made today long after I'm gone. Yeah, and that's a thing that probably uh, makes me think about. Yeah, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, I want to make sure that I'm weighing things. I'm looking at things through the right lens. Uh, because I don't want to come back at some point and say, I wish you would have tried to do that differently. Mm -hmm. As long as I'm earnestly in my heart trying to do the right thing, uh, trying to be a decent person, that's about as good as you can do. Yeah. As, as, as much as anyone could reasonably hope for. Right. So in 2017, you got appointed, and then 2018, we have a new governor. Right. And he, Governor Stitt, appointed you as well. So when the governorship changes, is there a chance you? will not be the general or? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, you know, and, um, and I want to be flippant about that because um, I thought everyone was like Oklahoma. Because in Oklahoma, the governor appoints the adjutant general. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not obviously like that in different states. Oh, it's not? Some people run for election. Oh. I know. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. And I'm trying to think of the state. It's like uh, somewhere back north in the east. Uh -huh. uh, but they run a campaign to be adjutant general, which uh, no uh, 
I don't have anything adverse to say about the way that they do it, but right. I just don't. I'm glad that Oklahoma doesn't have a political process for a person mm-hmm. to be the adjunct general. Because yeah. I think this job is critically important that you remain apolitical and you don't yeah. be involved in politics. And even with all the controversy that's going on at a national level, mm-hmm. and people try to pull you into conversations right. about that. At the end of the day, as an active member member of the military, mm-hmm. uh, I know who the commander in chief is, uh, and I'll follow his lawful orders. Yeah. Uh, when I'm not in a federal role, my boss is uh, Kevin Spitt. Yeah, as the wow. uh, commander in chief of the state of Oklahoma, the National Guard, uh, and I serve at his pleasure. So if he has a bad day tomorrow, or I have a bad day tomorrow, I'm certainly at his pleasure. You can call me and say. Uh, thank you for your service, but I'm, I want to move in a different direction, yeah. and that's the that's the way it should be. Yeah, that's awesome. How's your interaction with the governor? It's good. Yeah, um, it's good. We are going to do some things like this with the governor. To he's made a commitment to help the guard with our recruiting. Awesome. Um, we, as the army guard, we need to recruit about uh, bare minimum eighty five new soldiers a month. Wow. which puts us at about 1,020 soldiers a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we lose 1,000 soldiers, invariably, almost every year, mm-hmm. that just keeps us even. So if we can do about 90 or 95 yeah. uh, to get us up a little bit to like that 1,080 or you know 1,100 uh, to give us a little comfort zone in there, mm-hmm. uh, that would help us a tremendous amount. Yeah. And he very much, uh, I think he really enjoys his role as a commander-in-chief. Uh, we bought him a jacket that has his name on it. That's so awesome. That, <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. But I've seen him wearing that a couple of times. That's great. Every time I see him wearing it, I get a big smile on my face. But uh, I think he's really, uh, the thing about it, Juan, is what the governor's did come from this is I don't know how much visibility he had on the guard or what it does and mm-hmm. what it does and how it does. But when Northern, Tulsa, and Port Gibson, and Muskogee, and all those places were flooding last year, mm-hmm. and he activated the Oklahoma National Guard to go up there and yeah. you know, help save those communities, he had a lot better appreciation for who we are and what we do in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Guard is always one of the first people that have been called whenever there's a large scale emergency. Yeah. All emergencies are local, uh-huh. but once it exceeds that a local community's ability to effectively respond to it, uh, it's not uncommon at all for the guard to be called for floods, fires, uh, tornadoes, you name it. Yeah. The guard's there. Yeah. And unlike some people who are just there for that moment, you know, I was there and then go back, we're there for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So we're there for as long as that community needs us. And I've always had a large amount of pride in that. Yeah. Well, you talk about the big smile that you see when you see Governor Stitt wears, when he wears the jacket. Right. Well, when you tweet at us or when you tell us we're doing a great job, I, that puts the biggest smiles on our face. Yeah. I remember the one right around Thanksgiving, Margie, my wife, was laying down. And I was like, you'll never believe this. <laughs> General Thompson tweeted, he, and just, he tells us that we're doing a good job, and we actually, we appreciate that so much. Well, well I think you guys are doing a good job. Uh, and I, uh, I love being drawn to... Uh, people and things that are positive, yeah. you know, and I'm going to butcher this word. I used to know it better, but uh, 
it's 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 like a, a weed or a plant or a flower. I mean, you grow and you reach yeah. towards the sun, right? Yeah. You reach to something positive. Right. You don't see plants bending to the shade or anything negative, you know. True. So strong, positive leadership, draw strong, positive things in your life. Yeah. I, I love that. And yeah. Everything I see about y'all's uh, podcast has been positive. I think you're promoting positive people and positive right. things. So it's kind yeah. of cool to be a part of it. So I appreciate it. Wow. That. Thank you very much, sir. And speaking of Twitter, I remember it, I think it was 2018. is in the fall. It was in Midwest City. I wasn't there, but I saw a tweet from you. And I was like, man, the general coaches football, too. But you were, <laughs> you were, you were coaching football. You I was there. I was my, uh My friend is the head coach at yeah. Midwest City. And uh, he always gives me that Midwest City swag. And yeah. I get to walk around on the sideline like I'm one of the coaches. <laughs> and I get the best seat in the house. So uh, we go. My wife's a bigger football fan than I am. She is. Okay. Oh, totally. But uh, <laughs> I always want to support my fan and friend to be around those young people. So it's yeah. always a good night. No, that's awesome because I've seen you in the OU football games. And you just came back from Oklahoma State. So you got to meet Coach Gundy. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. How was that? How's he in person? You know what, Coach Gundy is really something. Yeah. He, uh, he. People don't may not it may not be apparent to people that he's a huge um, fan of our United States military. Mm. And I was kind of talking to him about the same thing that I was visiting with the governor about about maybe getting him to help promote us in ways that will help our recruiting, so that when we do have to respond to a flood or a grass mm-hmm. fire or fill in the blank, we'll have a good uh, pool of people that we can that'll go and do that for yeah. us. And he was all over it, you yeah. know, and took us around, got to walk through the locker room and the equipment room, and uh, that's an amazing stadium. I mean, yeah. what you see on game day is one thing, but <laughs> behind the scenes, it's really something to see. Yeah. It was a still kind of smiling picture about that. That's awesome. How's his hair? Nice and wavy. He's still rocking the mullet. <laughs> 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 so that might be his thing for a little while, so. He's absolutely still rocking the mullet. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big time OU fan. I graduated from there. And at the Oklahoma State, they're, when they have Military Appreciation Week and their swag when they were for football. Yes. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty phenomenal. It's awesome. Were you there for our Military Appreciation Day? In Norman? Uh-huh. No, I didn't see that. I watched it on TV. And that gives me chills thinking about that. Me too. We had the latest American. Medal of Honor winner uh, that we spent the week with and to spend time with him and his wife, you know, and then that was kind of the culminating event going out at the middle of the field and, Mm -hmm. you know, giving the ball for the kickoff, well, not the kickoff, but the uh, uh, coin toss Mm -hmm. and those sort of things. It was uh, just made you proud to wear the uniform, you know. Oh, yeah. It made us proud just to be able to sit down and watch this. Yeah. You know, that's. It was good. It was good. Oh, oh that's great, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And you, if you look back through life and you think about certain moments, where were some of those moments that we call them defining moments? That right. You look back and how did what did you learn from it, and what was that setback? <sighs> you know, uh, you got some really good questions. Uh, couple, couple instances. Uh, I think it's critically important in life to be successful is you have a certain measure of perseverance. Uh, Because uh, things 
things aren't always going to work out the way that you expect them to work or the way that you want them to work. And I'm really proud of the fact that I made it to, uh, you know, Governor Powell made me a commissioner in 2011. And at that time, the commissioner is also a cabinet secretary, so I'm sitting at this big table with the governor and all the people running the state of Oklahoma. But when I applied for the Highway Patrol in the late 80s, I applied three times. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you can fly every couple of months. Those are years in between application periods. Oh, man. So it took me about almost four years to get accepted onto the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. So if I would have uh, just gave up, if I would have said, hey, you guys don't know what you're missing, I'm out of here, I'm going to go and do something else. Mm. And I'd be disingenuous to say I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, but I just really wanted to wear that uniform. I really wanted that job. And then after my third application, I got hired, you know, and then I get hired and go and start having a little success in the military and, you know, get my undergraduate and master's and blah, 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 and all mm-hmm. that stuff and end up to be in a position for Governor Fallon to take me from being a major to the uh, commissioner. But if I had given up after the first attempt or the second attempt or not even thought about the third attempt, no, really, no telling where I would have been. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, so perseverance, I think, is really important. And I did read one of your questions about defining moment. Um, for me, and I don't want to sound morbid, it's kind of timely because yeah. we're 25 years, approaching 25 year um, anniversary of the, the bombing. Yeah. You know, April 19th, yeah. 1995. Um, so on April 19th, 1995, I was, uh, had been on the Oklahoma Highway Patrol for about five years. Mm-hmm. I think I was a captain on the International Guard, so life was good. And I'm teaching DARE. Remember DARE? Yeah. Uh, drug yeah. assistance, uh, recognition, yeah. education. And I'd go in and talk to high school students, seventh grade yeah. graders, and eighth graders, and yeah. talk about the dangers of drugs. It was a great program. Yeah. There are things I learned being an instructor for that that I still use today. That's awesome. You know, all these years later, I'm teaching there and, and then a call just south of uh, Chickasha and the uh, principal runs in there and he says, uh, I think you're going to have to leave. I was looking at him like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm going to have to leave. And uh, he says, come in my office. And I go in my office and I see, I go in his office and I see that, you know, by then the Channel 9 and 5 were at the site of it. And I'm mm-hmm. just saying this. The marijuana you know. I'm like, oh, I think you're right. And uh, so I didn't even go back to class, ran out and got my car. And back in those days, we all had pagers, you know, we didn't have uh, Apple iPhones and yeah. Galaxies and all stuff. And it was just, uh, you know, not call 911 or contact us, you know, just numbers, just little letters. And uh, I called them on the radio and they said, where, where are you at? And I told them, I said, get to Oklahoma City. And uh, I pretty much got the Oklahoma City in record time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Man, I spent a little bit. Yeah. But uh, getting to Oklahoma City, and bear in mind, this is 1995. We don't have the things in 1995 that we have now, you know, where we're seeing these things happen on our phones where we're waiting in line at McDonald's and all that stuff. What's right. different yeah. than to... Uh, you know, to stand there and just look at that devastation and, 
at that time, I didn't know there were 168 people that had been killed. I know a lot of people have been killed, injured, and certainly maimed in that incident. And, uh, one of my good friends who lived right down the street at the Regency Tower, and, uh, he would tell me later that his whole, everything in his 11-story uh, uh, apartment got blew over. I mean, just blew wow. uh, things off the wall. And that, remember the axle that we were able to find mm-hmm. if they landed right in front of that. Door to the Regency Towers, you know. Oh, That's how close he was. But uh, I just had an epiphany standing there, you know, that we in as Oklahomans, you know, back then people make jokes about this is you fly over this part of the country, you don't stop here unless you're visiting for family or something. Right. Fly to our country. That we uh, we aren't immune to the evil that's in the world. Mm-hmm. Because we're in the heartland of Oklahoma, of you know the United States, yeah. the Bible Belt, uh, we're just as successful. Uh, uh, or people can come in here and do horrendous things just like they could in a major city. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment that uh, I think made me a more uh, vigilant uh, trooper from that point and pay attention to thinking that something horrific can happen to you. Uh, yeah, it can. You better take your job and your profession seriously because if you don't, you're going to get hurt or you're going to get someone else hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of a, kind of a moment. Wow. I mean, what's something that maybe you learned from that, those moments that you could pass on besides the, obviously we've all got to be vigilant and report it if we feel uncomfortable with it. What else have you learned from that, those couple moments? You know, uh, there was a friend of mine on the, the Howard Patrol that uh, used to have this little postscript at the bottom of his emails, and he they talked about preparation. Uh, and I forgot exactly how that uh, preparation went, how that quote went, but it, the, the, the intent of it, the heart of that was uh, be vigilant in your preparation because when the time to act, it's upon us the time to prepare is past. Mm. So uh, you really need to take your job and your profession seriously yeah. and always prepare for worst case scenarios because if you don't, if you think all of a sudden you're gonna have an opportunity to prepare and get ready for X, yeah. not so much. Uh, you know, Donald Rumsfeld, uh, back at Starter Ward, has a lot of uh, talk about our preparedness ready level and readiness and all those things. And Donald Rumsfeld was a second term as Secretary of Defense. And he made a really famous statement that uh, me and my Sergeant Major Miller were just talking about this yesterday. And he made a really famous statement that uh, you go to war with the army that you have, not necessarily the army that you want. Mm. And, uh, you know, given uh, there can be some reasonable criticism of that, uh, but at the end of the day, it's a pretty interesting true statement. Yeah. You know, you, you go as a, as you are, you don't have this extended period of time to get ready or yeah. do more reps or do things. You, right. If you're not ready today, you're probably not going to be ready next week. Yeah. If that makes sense to you. It, it makes sense. It makes me think about go to, go to war with the army I have today. So if I am able to help my, my platoon, my troops prep in a certain manner, then at any given moment, 
if the president calls or whoever says, hey, we got to get there. Yeah. We're ready to do this. Yeah. It, so, for us, for me and Jeff, it's like uh, uh, the, the mantra has kind of been fight tonight. You know, that's the mantra of the Army. And it's different, uh, admittedly so, because like my son and my daughter-in-law, uh, they're all Army all day, every day. Yeah. You know, that's their job. They go and they're in the Army every day. Uh-huh. Uh, for the National Guard, uh, for people not like me, but the people who I was before I became adjutant general in 2017, you're a, you're a farmer, you're a college student, mm-hmm. you're a banker, you're a police officer, you're a small time town fireman. Yeah, uh, you have to concentrate on that because you got to provide a way to take care of your family. Yeah. And that, to me, it's always been the beauty of the National Guard is you have these people doing these absolutely ordinary. Uh, jobs in this in their communities, but when the call comes, you set all that aside, put this uniform on, and go and do this job. So uh, it's just, I guess, the point that, uh, that I'm trying to make, and without being adversarial, it, I think it's a bigger burden on the guard than it is the army because you got to be good at this profession, right, and be good at this profession, yeah. and there's a really small margin for error in between there. You cannot. It's true. I actually did a ride along with a Trooper Flores of the OHP. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's he he's obviously very structured and regimented in his um, job. And when we speak and just ask him questions, he was taught by this house. So what are, what are a couple of questions that you wish people would ask you, but no one really ever asked? Maybe they don't dare to ask. Um, you know, I wish people would ask about uh, and really mean how 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 can we help the, the guard and how can we help you you know other than you know just a, a handshake and a, and a pass you know that yeah. drive by handshake because I would ask them to talk to the young people who because we're we and I mean by us and the guard we're all competing for the same young lady or young man that's physically fit, uh, free of drugs, and free of a criminal background, all those things. We're competing with the Oklahoma City Police Department and the United States Marine Corps and the Army and Air Force and all these people. And this pool of people, it's, it's, uh, it's a relatively small pool of people. Yeah. Number one, because of the, the qualifications that it takes to join the military these days. But I wish that they would think about asking people that they know to consider joining and being a part of the Guard because uh, you can join the Oklahoma National Guard, Army Air, Army Guard or Air Guard and serve your community and serve your country at the same time. Mm-hmm. We want the Oklahoma Guard to be the service of choice when young people are thinking about having an interest in the military. Yeah. And I wish people would ask me, how do I help this kid get there? You know, uh, because sometimes they just make the assumption that you're good, but we really aren't. We're hurting pretty bad on recruiting, and it's an active effort every day to keep our numbers where they need to be so we're ready for the next, you know. Aside from, like, the um, state after duty that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. with the flooding, that sort of thing, in 2018, the Oklahoma Guard, not the Guard, just Oklahoma Guard, yeah. was in 10 different countries. Wow. That's amazing when you think about Wow. It. 10. You know, yeah. Africa, Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, Kuwait, Kosovo, Ukraine, <laughs> Romania. I mean, it's a pit. 
Wow. In uh, 2019, we got it down to five countries. And I think so far in 2020, we're in uh, four countries mm-hmm. right now. So you and I sit here today. Yeah. So we're asking these uh, young people and not so young people to go out and do incredible things on our behalf and make sacrifices and endure hardship. Uh, and we're wearing some of these folks out. Yeah. You know, so we need to be able to build our bench and replenish our ranks. And it's getting more and more difficult to do that because uh, a lot of people are competing with that exact same person. Right. So it's, uh, I'll get off my soapbox. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. What are you most proud of? Oh, easily. Uh, I love being uh, an American soldier. But the thing that I'm most proud of is being a good dad. Mm-hmm. Period. Hands down. <laughs> Not even close. You know, when people talk about, to me about legacy and uh, what you want to be remembered for, uh, my legacy is uh, Brandon and Jared Thompson. And if Brandon's wife is Roxy Thompson, yeah. and my granddaughter is uh, uh, Blake Thompson, you know, because uh, for a kid like me to grow up without a father and come from an overly modest household, you know, my mom worked herself to the bone to support me and my brother and uh, sisters uh, and to go out and, you know, live this life that I've lived and be a, a good father for my sons and show them what right looks like. Mm-hmm. So something happened to me this afternoon and I didn't wake up tomorrow. Uh, they know what right looks like and they know what success looks like. Hands down, that's my most proudest moment. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Love it. Thanks. Yeah, that's, that's, wow, that's really good. Uh, but um, in World War II, everyone, all attention naturally was on uh, Europe, you know, the 45th, you know, we, uh, the amazing things that we did there, the 45th Infantry Division, along as part of a Patton's Army, and, you know, we, the 45th liberated Dachau on April 29th, 1945 on their way to Munich. They stopped and they were told to go liberate this place called Dachau and everybody was like, what's Dachau? And it was a concentration camp. And it was a horrible place. It was the concentration camp that Hitler used to base all of his other concentration camps on. Um, And you hear about Auschwitz and some of the other ones that are notorious, but Dachau was his first and Dachau was his most longest running. And so on April 29th, 1945, the 45th was still to go and liberate Dachau on their way to Munich. Yeah. And they liberated Dachau and they liberated 28,000 people that day. And it was just absolutely a horrible, horrible place. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been killed in Dachau. And so to get, have an opportunity to be there and be a part of that. Uh, and I got to talk to soldiers who were actually in the army in 1945. Mm-hmm. Wow. But before that day was over, that occasion, it was like a three-day event in, in Munich. I got to talk to uh, survivors of that house as well. And I got a really emotional story. I'm not going to tell it because you have made me cry, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but uh, I actually got to talk to a guy that uh, was supposed to die on April 29, 1945. Mm. And he, uh, he was thanking me profusely and he, uh, and I told him, you don't have to thank me because I wouldn't even lie if you don't wear the uniform. And he said, uh, on April 29th, 1945, that was the day I was supposed to die. 
not someday, not a day, that day. Because that day, I had been moved to the part of the camp that nobody came back from. And as I stood there, waiting to die, I heard the gunshots. And I saw the Americans. And then I saw my tormentors flee. And I dropped to my knees and I thanked God that day. And I've been thanking God every day since that day. Because I was able to leave there, marry the love of my life. And then I had children. And then I had grandchildren. And today I have great-grandchildren. And the reason I thank you is because you represent the United States Army. And you not only saved it me that day, you saved an entire generation of my family that day. You talk about a proud moment? That was it for me. Sorry. No, that's good. Yeah, me cry too. It was, and it is, and we're supposed to go back next month for the 75th anniversary, and I'm just hoping that I'll get to see that family again. Because he was 94 in 2015, so he's 99 now, so. Just uh, make sure you appreciate life a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, General, I, we can't thank you enough for your time and obviously your services, the, the men and women, their services and sacrifice to our great country that gives us the uh, freedoms to, to do this, to, to be married to my beautiful wife, to be in the same room with you was major. Uh, this is phenomenal for me. By well, far, right? thank you. It's it's been amazing, and I, I've been talking about this moment for a, a long time. It's it's emotional for me. Well, I really do want to appreciate you, and uh, you certainly are living your best life. And uh, I'm really proud of who you are, even though we're just beginning this friendship or this relationship. And I had the opportunity to meet your wife today. Yeah, and uh, we need more people like y'all that are out there doing positive things and thinking about things that are good in our world because we spend enough time dwelling on bad things we need to dwell a little bit on the things that are positive in our lives so thank you guys yeah. for doing that thank doing you. a great job yeah, <laughs> i appreciate you thank you very much uh, I, we, I guess we could have ended in there but i want to go for a few more minutes if you have time so what time is two? uh 54 okay okay so what we decided to do is bring a question jar. And if you don't mind grabbing sure. one at a time, we'll go with one okay. and read the question and then let's answer it. Or you answer it. Oh, what was your favorite thing to do as a kid? Man, you, I need some more difficult questions. <laughs> this is a cross between uh, reading. I was like a comic book fiend. Yeah. Um, you would never see me walking around without a comic book, which were later uh, turned into the books. Uh, I was always reading all the time. Yeah, that and uh, sitting on the side of the Canadian River fishing, you know, trying to see if something would straighten my line out. So between those two things, uh, those were my biggest drill as a kid by far. Yeah. What's your favorite plane? Plane? Yeah. Uh, anything where I could have adequate leg room. <laughs> so for me to get on a plane like on Southwest when there's not a seat in front of you, you know, uh, that's that's better than uh, uh, an expensive dessert for me. So yeah. Anything where okay. I get a leg room is a good thing. 
So well, two more questions. How do people, our listeners and viewers, get in touch with you or with the, the guard? Jeez, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I need to get a number for it. anyone's interested in the guard. Mm -hmm. Or just say, Jeff, the best way is to visit our website yeah. or www.1800goguard. Yeah, www.1800goguard. Uh, please visit our website. Please think about wearing the uniform of our nation. It doesn't matter to me if you're in the Army National Guard or the Air National Guard, we have needs in both. And the great thing about the Guard now, unlike when I joined, uh, it'll pay for your college and you'll get all these. Uh, uh, Benefits, insurance, but you'll get the pride of wearing the uniform of your country and, and doing something, you know, being a part of something bigger than yourself. So, uh, 1 800 Go Guard. Uh, please visit that and click on Oklahoma and be a part of our team. Yeah. And you're actually on Twitter. So, your Twitter handle, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter handle for me is at OK TAG underscore 26. Yep. Very good. Last question, if you don't mind looking in the camera. General Thompson, do you approve this podcast? Absolutely. Thank you very much. <laughs> My name is Wong Lim, and it's such an honor, and I approve this podcast. General, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share, please reach out to me. I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast. Here's how to find me. Visit my website, www.definingmomentspod.com. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast.